You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's up, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. We are fired up today because the Dodgers are going back to the World Series. After a remarkable 3-1 deficit to the Atlanta Braves, the Dodgers stormed back, went three straight in seven. And that's right, the third NL pennant in the last four years for the Dodgers. But first, I got to introduce the guys today. As usual, we got Jake Reiner. How's it going? Good, Kevin. Um, I just want to say that I'm really happy to be alive today because, <laughs> yeah. because I thought I was going to be sent to an early grave. This series absolutely was a just unbelievable roller coaster. I thought we were dead in the water, but so, so happy that this team showed some fight, some resilience. They were able to battle back. They didn't quit. And that's all you can really ask for. And they proved why they're the, at least the best team in the National League. Right. There's so much to recap. I don't think we've recorded in over a week. And the last time we did record, the Lakers weren't even champions yet. And, of course, we got the man racking up all the likes and Twitter followers. It's David Rosenthal. How's it going, Kevin? Uh, good, to, good to see you guys. Uh, can't believe they did it. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I expected them to come back from three to one, uh, but that's Atlanta sports for you. Uh, Falcons blew a 28 to three lead and LCS or, or LCS teams were 28 and three with a three to one lead and promptly the Dodgers came back and did it to Atlanta again. So happy to be in the world series for the third time in four years. I, I just, I still can't believe they pulled it off. Yeah. All right. Well, let's start with how they pull it off. Game one, not much to talk about. They lost. Game two, 
This was a little more interesting because it was supposed to be Clayton Kershaw. He got scratched last minute. So they went to Tony Gonsolin. And this one kind of got ugly near the end. Or I should say it got ugly near the middle because near the end, the Dodgers almost came back and tied that game. But we can talk about this game just for a quick second. There was some questionable bullpen management moments. I believe this is the game where they went to Pedro Baez with a few runners on and it did not end very well. Yeah. In that moment, the, I believe the Dodgers are only down three to nothing. And yes. that's definitely a deficit that the Dodgers can overcome. They proved that they can overcome that deficit in the games uh, after this one. So to me, that was a crucial moment that we couldn't let get away. And instead of being down three to nothing, we were eventually down six, nothing. Um, And at that point, even though the game looked to be out of reach, uh, the Dodgers did end up scoring uh, seven runs uh, in the seventh and ninth innings combined and almost came back and won that game. They lost it eight to seven. So if that moment was played out a little differently, and Dave Roberts was able to use his shutdown relievers in that inning, I think that the Dodgers come back and win that game. And, and that's a game that you got to have. Even though there's seven, you, there's seven games to play with, if you can avoid putting your team in a 3-1 deficit, you got to avoid that at all costs and win that game right there. Yeah. Uh, let's just say the first, you know, game two and game four uh, were not Dave Roberts' finest moments. Uh, he redeemed himself in a major, major way in the the last three series, the last three games. Uh, but you know, I I was I'm a critic of Dave Roberts, you know, as as much as anyone is. Uh, but you got to give him credit for the last couple games. He he managed his ass off in those games. Uh, and when it comes down to it, you know, the player can make the manager look really good or make the manager look really bad. Uh, and in the first, you know, game two and game four, the players made Dave Roberts look pretty bad. Uh, granted, I, the decisions were extremely questionable, uh, but if the players perform, no one's talking about it. Uh, yeah, so so it's, go ahead. If you can catch on early on, there's going to be a lot of talking about Dave Roberts, the highs and the lows throughout the series. And in terms of game two, what didn't sit right with me post game Dave Roberts said he went with Baez because he didn't want to go with a high leverage guy in that scenario. Very questionable decision. If you ask me, if Jake said it best, you're only down three runs. The game is not even out of reach at this point. This Dodgers offense, you'll see as everyone watched, you can tell they score in spurts. So being down three runs honestly doesn't mean a lot based off how good this team was. But yeah, got- and, and that doesn't really make sense because he's used Baez in high leverage situations the rest of the series. So, I, you know, I Dave Roberts doesn't do himself any favors in the post-game press conferences, ever. Uh, literally every answer basically infuriates fans. Uh, you know, he's made some great decisions, but the post-game, it's, it's, he makes it sound way worse than it actually is with his words. Uh, but look, they won the series. You know, Dave's... Dave's got a tough opponent and Kevin Cash coming up. Uh, so he's going to have to manage how he did in the last couple games. And I will just say, I know we're going to get into the nitty gritty here, but the Dodgers don't win the final three games if Dave Roberts doesn't manage as well as he did. It's just plain and simple. Yep. He managed to near perfection the last three games, which makes you wonder 
what's going on the other times? Like what, what happens in these moments? And it, and it usually, it usually has to do with Clayton Kershaw, Kenley Jansen, and in a lot of cases, Pedro Baez. Yeah. yeah and uh, one, one, po- one quick point I want to make is he sent Blake Trinan out there for the second inning in game seven. Uh, you know, Blake Trinan has been the guy all year and he's, he's earned that but that was his third day of work. He had already just pulled a Harry Houdini in the, in his first inning of work and somehow escaped that jam. Thanks to uh, Turner's marvelous play and Austin Riley forgetting how to run the bases. Uh, but if Mookie Betts doesn't rob that home run, that's a completely different game. And the narrative changes back to what is Dave Roberts doing, leaving Trinan out there. Uh, so that's just my point of sometimes the players bail him out. Uh, and sometimes the decision, you know, works out. So it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It really is. All right. So game three, the Dodgers are now down 0-2. And Kyle Wright is starting for the Braves. And wow, did that not go well for him. Kyle he, wrong. Kyle wrong. Even though in my mentions, I accidentally called him a clown because he had a five-and-a-half ERA throughout the season. But yet Braves fans in my mentions said, that doesn't mean anything. His last few starts, he was lights out. This guy is legit. Well, No. He sucks, and the Dodgers showed why. That was his only outing in the entire NLCS. He went .2 innings because he allowed five or six runs, and then they went to Grant Dayton, the former Dodger. And, of course, what happens? The Dodgers break records. They score 11 runs, something we may never see again. It was literally fireworks. You guys can elaborate how it made you feel, but I was honestly, my jaw dropped. I was shook. I couldn't believe what I just saw. It was, it was crazy. Max Muncy hit the grand slam. Will Smith with the two-out RBI. And I didn't even mention 10 of the runs came with two outs. That's, that's what I was going to say. They, yeah. they have been putting together some two-out rallies this series. I believe, Unbelievable. I believe last night, uh, I forget who it was that walked or singled, and then I think Turner doubled and Smith brought him in. I think that was all with two outs. It was uh, it was Turner on base and Muncie doubled. That's right. That's right. With two outs. Yes. Um, so this is we haven't seen that really before from the Dodgers. Uh, they left a ton of men on in scoring position, uh, but sometimes they've just been able to get it done. But back to Game Three, uh, I agree with Kevin that Kyle Wright. He was pitching way above his, his, his talent level and, and expectations. Uh, it was only a matter of time for that happened. I, I said the same thing about Ian Anderson. Uh, they kind of, you know, flirted with him in game two. They, they let him, get, you know, skate on thin ice for way too long and ended up losing them the game. Uh, and then we saw what happened in game seven. They got to him pretty good. Uh, so this Braves pitching staff is good. Uh, they're young. They're missing Soroka. Uh, but it, the, ultimately, the Dodgers offense is just too much. Yeah, it was it was too overpowering, and I think anytime you score 15 runs, you'll take it no matter what. Honestly, um, if it were not for those for like innings, they only scored in three of those innings during that game, and then the rest was just nothing. And I think that sort of played along with the with the narrative that we saw throughout this series, which is they they they'll either score in bunches. Um, or they'll, they'll, they'll put like rallies together and just fall short. Like a lot of two out rallies, a lot of walks, a lot of, um, long at bats, which is great. But the, the frustrating part I think for watching this team is that they put together these long at bats 
and then they get, you know, big strikeouts or pop-ups or things like that. So it was um, definitely frustrating from an offensive perspective because it puts a lot of pressure on the, on the bullpen and the pitchers to keep these games close. And we found that in every single game that the bullpen and the starting pitchers kept the games close and kept them in it, they came back and won those games. In every game where they didn't, they lost. And, and so it's not a real recipe for success, to, to, so to speak. You don't want to have to rely on your bullpen to keep things in check every single game and have to either uh, preserve a one-run deficit or a one-run lead or a tie game all the time. But knowing that that is how the Dodgers performed in this series, I thought that is what Dave Roberts did well in the final three games recognizing that that's how his offense is performed and managed accordingly. Anything to say about game four? Should I just jump to five? Well, game four was the Kershaw game, and I think we got to touch on that a little bit. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to start this one off. Too many times has Dave Roberts left Kershaw out to die. I'm tired of it. He pitched five great innings. And then he sends him out there to die against the top of the lineup after just giving up a home run to Ozuna. Uh, he leaves him in there. And I don't know what it is with Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw, but he, he loses all sense of mind and just goes with his gut and his heart. And when it comes to Clayton Kershaw, Dave Roberts' heart and gut is wrong every time. Uh, thank God he, he kept him on the bench in game seven uh, because that it's, Clayton Kershaw is not a reliever, period, period. Uh, and, you know, it almost cost the Dodgers the series. Luckily, you know, Roberts got his, got his stuff together and, and the team played well for the last three games. But sending him out there for the sixth and then leaving him out there after giving up back-to-back hits, it, it's, just, it's just demoralizing to see. Uh, so that's my takeaway from that game. Uh, if, if he can't do that uh, in the World Series, he just can't because the Rays are a team that's going to make you pay for mistakes – they're sound, they're good defensively, and you can't let them have an inch. So my opinion about the whole uh, Kershaw-Roberts thing is that there are a lot of scenarios in which Roberts will leave Kershaw out there a little bit too long, but there's always a secondary option to, to get him out of that situation, and that secondary option is usually bypassed as well, and that's why we see uh, these, these meltdowns. And unfortunately for Kershaw, his line was absolutely messed up because the relievers that came in after him blew, blew the game. And so the, the line is not reflective of the outing that Kershaw had, but you, there is an argument to be made that you could have let Kershaw start the sixth. Um, he had gone through five innings, only given up one run. His pitch count was low. You could make that argument, but he gets into trouble almost immediately. There's a little squib that, uh, that um, Acuna hits. He gets aboard, uh, and then the next batter gets on base. And then he faces Marcelo Zuna. You can't send him to face Ozuna. You, you just can't. can't. You just can't. He already hit a home run off of him. You just can't have Kershaw face Ozuna there again. And, and guess what? Ozuna hits a monster double, and, and the wheels come off. And then Kershaw is removed. Gratterall, Victor Gonzalez come in. They don't do any better. They, you know, the game kind of gets out of hand at that point. And a lot of people were arguing online about, well, 
What about the relievers that came in after Kershaw? You know, why couldn't they shut the door? Yes, that, that is on them. And, t- and typically in this series, they've come in with runners on base and have been fine. But if you can control the situation and allow those relievers to start with a clean inning, you got to do it. The only, the only situation you should bring a reliever in with runners on base is if you absolutely have to and got to get a matchup in there that, that's favorable. But if you can start the sixth clean with Gratterall or Gonzalez, that may be a different scenario at that point. And then Kershaw's reputation isn't dragged through the mud once again. And I think what hurts Kershaw the most um, is not so much his performance in the postseason – but that his manager, time and time again, whether it's Roberts or Don Mattingly, constantly put him in positions to fail, and that is what we see more times than not. Yeah, and just I just want to dispel this whole narrative thing. Inherited runners in Clayton Kershaw's postseason career, 16 runners have scored out of 20. And if you don't know, an inherited runner is when Clayton Kershaw comes out of the game and leaves runners on base. The MLB average for that in the postseason is around 30 percent 16 out of 20 is 80 percent uh so that's why his era is so inflated uh i don't need to hear about all this postseason kershaw stuff it's so inflated by inherited runners and like like jake said it's the manager's decision to send him out there to die i've said that many times yeah very unlucky for sure all right at this point the dodgers are down three to one twitter is going bananas Everyone, including myself, I'm not afraid to admit it, called for Dave Roberts' job. So it was ugly in L.A. But, you know, there was still a glimmer of hope. You know, we're not dead yet until we lose four games. So unlike in 2018 when we were down 3-1 to one to Boston, I was like, we still, got, we still have a chance. So I was tuned in. I was like, one game at a time. So now we're in game five. This is where... Dustin May gets the start. He went, what, two innings, one inning, in an opener type of role? Yeah, two innings. And the big moment in this game, obviously, is Will Smith versus Will Smith. Dodgers are trailing two to one. Two on for Smith. And then what does Will Smith do to the other Will Smith? He throws him a hanging slider or something. I, I, I can't remember the pitch, but... Regardless, it ends up in a three-run home run. The Dodgers are now ahead. The biggest moment for Will Smith, for sure. And then Corey Seager, he tacks on. I think he had two home runs in that game. This game was all Dodgers. Yeah, and, and one other moment to, to talk about is um, May pitched one inning, I believe, one or two innings. And two then innings in game five. Two innings, and then he, and then he brings in Joe Kelly – who almost just absolutely it was, was devastating. And had it not been for, A, the Mookie Betts shoestring catch and Marcelo Zuna forgetting the tag-up rule, which is something I feel like you get taught in Little League, um, he leaves the bag too early, and he actually almost was thrown out at the plate, which was unbelievable. Mookie Betts kind of like was stumbling and threw an off-balance throw and almost actually got him at the plate but the replay saved us. And again, the, um, well, this is the first instance of Braves bad base running. And then we saw what happened in game seven with the Turner double play. We have a lot to thank for, uh, for the Braves base running in this series. It really helped us out. But Mookie Betts, I mean, making that catch, 
I don't know. Uh, you know, there are not many right fielders that can make that catch, that shoestring catch. No. It was huge, huge momentum because instead of being down three runs, you're down two runs. Um, and then um, Corey Seager hits the solo shot, and now you're only down by one. So it's all about momentum, and they and 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 a lot of the momentum was started by the defense. Yeah, the Braves were almost asking for us to take this series. The base running was one huge blunder for sure, and then there was also the Aussie Albies incident where the the ball came out of Muncie's glove, and yet he still kept running for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the base running was one thing, and then I wish I had the stat, but the runners in scoring position, and this is going to be huge in game six, the Braves had all the opportunities in the world to put this team away, and they failed. So when one, for, to- one for nine in game five, the Braves were. Wow. So speaking of game six, Walker Buehler takes the mound. He hasn't been himself all postseason just because of the blister, but that's going to change in this game. He sets the tone. Second inning, I believe it was, bases loaded, nobody out. Nobody scores. Bueller gets out of it. And that's really going to dictate the tone for the rest of this game. And just going to get my little plug in there. Post-game, Walker Bueller did say he had never felt more calm during a big postseason game, and he gave a lot of that credit to Austin Barnes and his leadership behind the plate. Yeah, I mean – Bueller looked as good as he's looked all year. Uh, th- this dude lives for the big moment, and he proves it every single year. Uh, the fastball command was the best we've seen it was all year. He didn't walk anybody. Uh, he's, he was relying heavily on the fastball because he still has got those two blisters, and, and you know, breaking pitches are harder to control with, with blisters. But he looked real good. Uh, and if the Dodgers get that version of, of Bueller in the World Series, they're, they're in real good shape. Yeah, yes. and that and that moment in the second inning where he loaded the bases, there was nobody out, and he got out of that. There were a lot of situations like that where the Dodgers look to be, you know, on the verge of absolute disaster, and their pitchers are able to, you know, settle in, bear down, and get out of the inning. And that was huge because the Dodgers only scored in the first inning in that game, yeah, and had a, a number of other opportunities to score and didn't. And their and their bullpen and their pitching and 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 for uh, Bueller to go six and the bullpen to come in and shut things down um, again. Dave Roberts showed you know uh, uh, he was a master lever puller in that game. I mean you know for for what uh, Pedro Baez displayed in um, in game two. I, you know, if I'm looking at that, I'm thinking like, why would I ever want him coming into any other game in this series? And he ends up, you know, getting back-to-back scoreless outings from Pedro Baez, which was just huge and a huge lift. Um, And then Kenley Jansen uh, comes into that game and saves it for us with a two-run lead. This is the second outing of a back-to-back for Kenley Jansen, which I've said should never occur ever again. But for some reason, he looked different. He had a conversation with Rick Honeycutt and Charlie Huff about mechanics, figured it out. He did look a little different, but he was pumping it in there at 94, which was huge. And he was just awesome uh, towards the, the, you know, in those two games, in the final uh, two games out of the last three. Yeah, and you saw what you saw the extra gear Bueller had in that second inning. Uh, he was hitting 100 and 101. Uh, he 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 emptied the tank there, and that's exactly what Jansen did too on on the last batter to Sandoval. First pitch was 91, second pitch 92.4, third pitch 93.4, and fourth pitch and and last pitch of the game was 94.3. Uh, so these guys, you know, it's in there. 
Uh, and when it's, when it's called upon, they, they have it in there. Uh, and that's encouraging to see. Yeah, so Freed pitched really well in that series. Both of He did. Is, he did. That, so I got to give him some respect. Yeah, and Santa Monica few, kid, represent. A few Braves hitters we'll talk about in a second who really showed up as well. Game seven now. There we go. This is for all the marbles. 3-3 split. Dodgers pull this off. They're going to the World Series. And obviously, we, we know the outcome. But this one started off kind of weird because they went with Dustin May, which I don't think a lot of us saw coming. And the Roberts explanation was a little kind of off-putting. But, you know, it is what it is. Ultimately, it ended up with the Dodgers trailing early on 1-0. Then the Dodgers – yeah, that. the – the the Dodgers tend to get a little cute sometimes and it and it burns them or it almost actually I mean it burned them a little bit in this game but not completely um for Dustin May um I, I don't know I I mean I guess the thinking was is that he would get the top of the order um one time and then Tony Gonsolin would come in and not have to face the top of the order as many times but it just it just didn't it didn't work out from the get go it seemed like um, first of all, Dustin May found out that he was starting at like what, like a half an hour before or something yeah, crazy like, like that. Four hours before the game. Can we not do that anymore? I mean, we have enough. <laughs> yeah. we have enough Why are we time. fooling our own players? I know it's like we, we telegraph our moves all the time to everybody else, but to our own guys, we can't give them enough time to to figure it out. So May May uh, in the first inning though, it was it was huge what he did because he started off with eight straight balls. He walked the first two guys. Um, he gives up the run and then he bears down and settles in and gets a huge double play and is able to get out of that inning with only one run that was a huge victory because if Atlanta gets you know breaks it open there in the first who knows what would have happened I had flashbacks of the 2017 World Series in game seven where the Astros jumped all over you Darvish and it was over before it started and it just had that same feel, but uh, for for Bueller to get out of that first inning was absolutely huge. Yeah, I mean, my my key moments of the game were obviously, you know, the Mookie robbery, Kike's home run, Bellinger's home run, uh, but the but the two biggest plays for me, and I'll get to Julio Arias in a minute, but the two biggest plays were what Trinan inducing that ground ball and Turner having the the, the headspace to to get the out and then flip back around and get the double play at third. Uh, I don't know what Austin Riley was doing, but it, it saved the Dodgers. I don't know what Culberson was doing either. I mean, not Culberson, the guy that looks like him, Swanson. Swanson. I don't, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what he was doing either. I mean, you, what are you doing running on contact on that play? It was to the left side. It was a really hard hit. It was just stupid. Yeah, Austin and that was, was one of our questions we got. It was from a friend of the show, Sierra Luna, at Sierra Luna. Did the Braves base running affect the series? The answer is yes. a hard yes. Uh, <laughs> hard, hard yes. They were atrocious. Uh, but uh, let's – Dustin May's ability to get out of that first inning after throwing eight straight balls, uh, showing the nerves to calm down, was huge. Uh, I have complete faith in this guy in a big game. Obviously, you know, he's a rookie. The nerves are going to show up eventually. But he's going to bear down. This dude is maybe with Bueller, two of the top competitors on the team. Uh, This guy, he likes tweets that talk crap about him on Twitter. Two of his most recent likes are – Dustin May ugly and Dustin May looks like he's never touched a boob. Uh, so this guy is not going to back away from the moment. He's going to come at the haters uh, and he's going to succeed. I trust this man. He performed extremely well, uh, got out of that jam and kept the Dodgers in the game. Yes. 
Um, and and do you want you want to talk about Julio Arias? Because I could go on gonna, all day yes, about Julio get, Arias. We're gonna get to him in literally okay. one minute. All right. But we still got something else to set up. First, first things first. I kind of wish they had pitched Tony Gonsolin in one of the prior two rounds because I feel like he just has a lot of rust. And I think in the next round it's gonna fall off, and we're gonna get the Gonsolin we saw in the regular season. Yeah, um, I, I think I think Gonsolin actually pitched fairly decently uh, to start game two. For yeah, the first three or four innings, he looked really good. Yeah, he tore through them like it was nothing. But then fourth inning rolled around or whatever, kind of fell off. But anyways, the two big moments on the offensive standpoint come, in this, come from the Dodgers side when first Kike Hernandez, pinch hitter facing A.J. Minter. And I thought it was kind of dumb that they went to Minter just because – two games prior or whatever he had pitched 40 something career high so i think that, but he was also lights out like he, we couldn't touch was. him it, it, that's true but regardless kike tober shows up hits another nlcs clutch home run got a lot of hate during the regular season by fans but boy does kike show up when really needed he does and then he's the it at this point and here's the thing quickly about kike it's like People ask why Jock Peterson's around and Kike Hernandez is around and, you know, Max Muncy. I mean, these guys will perform when it, when it matters. They may not perform consistently. There, I, I heard someone make a comment. I, I don't know if it was Smoltz or someone else, but like maybe during the regular season, the concentration just isn't there and they, turn, they, they kick it into another gear in the postseason. But man, how many big moments has Kike Hernandez had in the, in, in the playoffs for us? It's, it's huge. And, and that was a great at-bat too. It was eight pitches. And then he hits an absolute piss missile. Just, he just crushed it. Uh, no doubt about it. Pumped the team up. Um, it was it was great to see, right? And then the big moment for the Dodgers comes in the bottom of the seventh with two out. They go to Chris Martin, the guy who was due and looked destined to give up the long ball eventually. Even though Alex Wood had said the Dodgers struggled to get out of bed or whatever for big games, yeah, Cody Bellinger quote. <laughs> dumb quote, worst really quote ever. Cody Bellinger hits the home run, puts the Dodgers ahead. Um, he Freeman also got robbed, which was worth mentioning as well. That could have been huge. Yeah. But regardless, now we can go back to the pitching and I'll let you guys set that up. Yeah. Just quickly about Bellinger though. Cause like he was my pick to be the NLCS MVP and obviously Co- uh, Corey Seager blew the doors off that, but for him to have that moment in this game, his second career go-ahead home run in a Game 7 scenario, like, holy cow, like, that is, that is huge. And, and for him to, to hit that, the, the way he's been going this year was absolutely huge and just a, just a huge momentum, uh, momentum swing and m- momentum push. And that's what set up Julio Urias, who has been, you know, lights out in this postseason he's he's won all four of his games he's got an era under one 16 strikeouts i mean the guy has been absolute nails whatever role you put him in he's he's been a great long reliever i mean just an absolute dominant long reliever he started most of the uh, regular season but in the postseason he's come out of the bullpen and just been lights out and, uh, you know, I commend Dave Roberts for sticking with him because in the past he would not have. He would have gone to Kenley Jansen or would have gone to Clayton Kershaw, but he was watching the game 
And I know that seems simple, but like we were all watching the game too. And the Braves couldn't touch Julio Urias. He had three perfect innings, three up, three down every single time, got some weak contact and was absolutely lights out. And I love that they stuck with him. And not only that, had someone warming up in the ninth. It yep. was Jansen, but that's huge. You gotta, you gotta do that every single time. It's something we've talked about over and over again in these big game elimination games, seven game scenario. You gotta always have someone ready to go in case the wheels come off, and that was also huge. And and it worked. And you know, I just just super happy about how it all played out there at the end. Yeah, I can't say enough about Julio Arias. Uh, this dude deserves all the credit in the world. If Corey Seager didn't, you know, have that massive of a po- of a NLCS, he could have easily been the series MVP. In the postseason, he's he's thrown the entire postseason: fifteen innings, seven hits, one earned run, three walks, and sixteen strikeouts. This guy is an invaluable piece to this roster, uh, and he frankly just cannot be stopped right now. And one more thing I want to uh, recount is I recall someone, I think it was me, uh, bringing up how Jocktober is a thing. In the NLCS, Jock Peterson hit 389 with a 970 OPS, one home run, three RBIs, and seven hits. We haven't seen him do that in the regular season in like a year and a half, two years. Uh, but like I said, this dude just can roll out of bed, make an impact. Dave Roberts used him perfectly. Uh, and he just, he just fights. He just fights. He's, he, there's no pressure for him. Uh, and he's, you know, he's going to be big in this next series because Tampa Bay has got a lot of righties. And uh, I want to say one more thing about Jock Peterson that we talked about during the game while we were texting is that he, Roberts left him in there against a lefty early and didn't pull him out. I think it was like in the fourth inning or something. Yep. And I was like, that is a great move because, because then it allows him to face a right-hander down the road. Now, it didn't end up happening – because they pulled him for, for Kike Hernandez and Kike, you know, showed up. Yep. But, like, that was huge to, to know that, like, he could have another at-bat against a right-hander and I want him in there is, was just perfect. Exactly. Delaying that decision to decide whether to pinch it for him now or later uh, was, was brilliant. Yep. October exists. I was wrong. It's still a thing. <laughs> Coronavirus couldn't stop it. That's right. All right. So the other things – so the Dodgers win, obviously, we all know. The guys that oh, I man. wanted to highlight for the Braves, who I just felt like kind of choked, Ronald Acuna, who was considered, I think, before the start of the season, he could have been a top five player, only hit 167 that series with one RBI, non-factor at all. Another bat we were pretty concerned about just because he had a really great regular season. Travis Darnode only hit 174. I was not concerned about him. That was that was fluke city right there is what that was. But he did come in he did come into the series hot and we shut him down. So he did, yes. Yeah, yeah. deserves credit. Ozuna was definitely a bat to be concerned about. He did all right. He had two home runs, batted two seventy six, got that one off Kershaw. But Freddie Freeman, if the Braves win the series, he is without a doubt the series MVP. He ended up hitting three sixty with two home runs, but what's kind of crazy is that those two home runs only came in the first two games. And then after that, he was almost just an average hitter. Well, it would have been three, if not for Mookie Betts. That's true. But the defense won that battle. All right. So just to recap real quick, Corey Seager, NLCS, MVP. What a series he had. Historic stuff. Five home runs, 11 RBIs. 
both records. Corey Seager is now arguably the best shortstop in baseball. Mookie Betts had a quiet 269 average, but boy, was his defense and leadership felt throughout the team. Will Smith with seven RBIs, that was huge. Cody Bellinger had an 875 OPS. And then David already brought up how big Jock Peterson was. That was the NLCS. All right, so that pretty much covers the exciting NLCS. Game sevens are always exciting. So I want to get your guys' final thoughts on this past series. And then we got to talk about the World Series because the job is not done yet. We still got to play for that trophy. But my final thought on this NLCS was coming into the series, I said my take was that the Braves' bullpen was going to blow it for them and they weren't going to do very well. I think I called some of them frauds, or maybe I just did that online. I believe they didn't allow a single run the first two rounds or so. Well, against the Dodgers, they had a 661 bullpen ERA, and obviously that cost them in some of those games because the Dodgers came back to rally, and that's how it went. Yeah, my final thought is pretty simple. Um, This team showed that it can come back from adversity. Uh, this team is not going to just lay down and die no matter what. Uh, Mookie Betts is, is that guy. Uh, we haven't had, you know, a player like him before. And it's, you can't count this team out. Uh, you know, Dave Roberts may make some bad decisions. Uh, he, he's going to make some good ones too. So uh, you just can't count this team out. It's, it's just that simple. And I think my final thoughts are because you can't count this team out, Dave Roberts and the Dodgers pitching staff are going to have their hands full just trying to keep these games close because that's the key. If they keep these games close, the offense always has a shot to come back. They are resilient as ever. They come alive in the later innings. And so the goal has to be do whatever you can to keep the game close if they're down or they're ahead or it's tied so that the offense always has a shot to come back. Once you let the game get out of hand, um, it's, it's a lot harder and you're asking a lot of an offense that hasn't really um, come alive yet. I mean, they're, they're, they come alive in moments, but in terms of like scoring early on, early on, putting up big numbers, with the exception of the 15-run outburst, we've not really seen them come out and score five or six runs over the first four or five innings and take command of a game and then you know, ride that all the way to the end. We've, we've had to come back from behind a lot. And so with that being said, I hope Dave Roberts learns from the mistakes from the first four games and learns from his successes in the final three games so that he can come back into this World Series and really, and really you know, put, put, put a seal on this and, and get us a World Series for the first time since 1988. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so the Dodgers... This is their third World Series appearance in the last four years. Now, they're taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Who are the Tampa Bay Rays? Well, we didn't see them this season. They play in the AL East. We did actually play them four times last year. I'll touch on that briefly in a few minutes, but they did split 2-2. The Rays went 40-20. and They had the best record in the American League. They kind of maybe surprised some people. Maybe the sharp people were on them, but they did win the AL East. They had the best record. Yankees, they even beat the Yankees in the NL, sorry, the ALDS in five. Then they faced the Houston Astros. They had a 3 nothing series lead. 
The Astros then stormed back, took the next three. They went to a game seven, but Tampa Bay managed to hold them off, and that's how they got to where they are. So it's kind of funny about the Rays, and we'll dive deeper on the offense on both sides. But I was just on a podcast not too long ago, and it almost took me back to when David was joking, saying people on Brewers podcast were talking about how they're going to score a run. Well, this literally happened on this podcast. These Rays fans were like, I don't know how we're going to score a run. And it's because their hitting has been kind of atrocious this entire postseason. With runners in scoring position, they're only hitting 174. They, their lack of offense literally was allowing teams like the Yankees and Astros to creep back and nearly beat them. Austin Meadows is batting 114. Brandon Lowe, 115. Then Manuel Margot, he's one of their better hitters so far. He's batting 256. He's had a few big home runs. Mike Zunino, 216 average, their catcher. Yeah, he Mike has, Zunino needs to stop hitting home runs. He has no business doing this. He has four <laughs> home runs. Hunter Renfro, who's really struggled in his Tampa Bay tenure. This is a guy I'm kind of nervous about, but he is only hitting 200, and he has one postseason grand slam. If I have to remind Dodger fans, he did hit a walk-off grand slam off Kenley Jansen last season in Petco. But overall, he's not that great of a hitter against the Dodgers, so I don't think we need to have nightmares about him. And then Joey Wendell, another guy hitting under 200. The big guy for them is he just came out of thin air, literally. Randy Arazar. I can't even Rosa say Rosarena. Rosarena. 382, their ALCS MVP. He was a throw-in with uh, the Cardinals, I believe was the trade, actually. Yeah, for the Martinez trade. Yes. So this is the Andrew Friedman Bowl. And I say that because Friedman came over from the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't know how much of his mark has been left now with the franchise, but I'm sure in, in the Friedman household, this is a very big series. Yeah, and for the for I'm not going to take the Rays lightly. I took the Braves too lightly, and it, and it burned us. Um, I thought that the true NLCS was the Dodgers Padres, yep. and in my and in my defense, though the Padres were very much injured, and so we don't really know what they would have been made of had they been at full strength. But I was completely wrong about the Braves. I'm I'm not going to underestimate the Rays, even though the only guy hitting right now is the Rosarena, who I had not even heard of until the playoffs started. It, it, it almost seemed like they asked some Joe Schmo off the street to put on a Rays uniform and come join the club, and he ended up. You That's know, what they do, and they win. Yeah, and that, he is, ended that up, is their that is their mission statement. Yeah. So in 14 postseason games, uh, he's hitting 382, slashing uh, 433, uh, 855, uh, with seven home runs and 14 runs uh, runs batted in. And this guy is an amazing story, though, because he debuted this year. He had COVID-19. He debuted in August and then hit seven home runs in September. That's rolled right into the postseason, and he's tearing the cover off the ball. Um, he was born in Cuba. He left the country five years ago on a small boat landing in Mexico after an eight hour ride across choppy waters. He found his way to the development academy of the Toros de Tijuana club where he had to share cleats and batting gloves with another prospect. 
The Cardinals spotted him playing for the Toros uh, version of a minor league team and signed him in 2016. Does that not sound like a Tampa Bay radio? I mean, that is an amazing story that obviously coming from, not obviously, but I'm telling you, it's coming from ESPN, all of those details. But like, what a story uh, to come out of Tampa Bay. And that's the one guy that we can't let beat us. He loves the fastball, so we can't give him any fastballs down the middle. The Astros made a huge mistake in game seven because that was the only guy that they could, they could ill afford to have beat them, and he did. He burned McCullers to the two-run bomb off of him. And, and that was, you know, basically they, they rode that all the way to the end. Yeah, this guy's super talented. You cannot take this this team lightly. They have what this team does is right now they're riding Randy Arozarena, who I have no idea why he doesn't do the Macarena as a celebration after a home run because that would just be too perfect. But they have guys who contribute. They're not household names. They're not big names, but someone every game for this team steps up. Uh, and a guy, another guy you can't take lightly is G Man Choi. This dude rakes the ball. He is a Big fellow, uh, but he can also move, uh, plays great defense, and he's, he's dangerous. He's not just a home run hitter. He, he can hit the ball. He's got, he's got nine hits this postseason, two of them for home runs. Gets on base a lot, uh, 952 OPS. You know, everyone talks about how their offense isn't that great. Well, the rankings may not may, you know, indicate that. You can't take this team lightly because they, they, they just produce – when there's a will, there's a way with this team, and, and they just produce. But if we're, if we're being honest, the main threat to the Dodgers is this Rays pitching staff, no doubt. Yeah. There's also another threat that the Rays have. But quick comment on the Troy. Thankfully, we don't have Garrett Cole because that's where he did most of his damage for, for whatever yeah, he reason. Owns he just, Garrett Cole. He just hates that guy. I don't know if Garrett Cole like, looked at him the wrong way or something a long time ago. But he's a much better Troy than when we had Hesop Troy. Just going to throw that out there. The Rays also kill you. Well, I hate Don Hesop Choi. Yeah, Hesop Choi was, was pretty horrible. Sad. Anyways, yes, the pitching is their number one weapon. Touch on that in a second. But their close number two weapon is their defense. For whatever reason, the Rays like somehow make it seem like they have doubled the defenders out there. Kevin Kiermeyer, we thought Mookie Betts and Bellinger were great defenders. Kiermeyer doesn't miss a ball. Zunino behind the plate. He's one of the best defensive catchers there are. Their infield, which consists of they change them all around, but whether it's Diaz, Adame, Wendell, etc., they don't make many errors. They're gonna go after the balls because they know they can't score a lot of runs. So they make up for it with their defense. And so there's gonna be some frustrating plays. I hate to say it, where the Dodgers are gonna look like they're gonna get a double, and I'm sure someone on the Rays is gonna rob us. And especially with this ballpark, it's, this is how the Rays are going to keep themselves in the game. So now, of course, the pitching, which we can talk about, and whoever wants to kick that one off. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick that off. So we're going to see Tyler Glasnow in game one. We're going to see Blake Snell in game two. And we're probably going to see Charlie Morton in game three. Uh, after that, you know, they've been starting Ryan Yarbrough, uh, who's a long guy out of the bullpen, but he pitched five innings uh, in a start in the uh, ALCS. These guys are talented. Um, you know, there's not one weak link in this pitching staff. Uh, just the starters. And the bullpen is even better, frankly. Glasnow, you know, doesn't too, really concern me as much as Snell does because Glasnow, the Dodgers hit the fastball pretty well and Snell's left-handed, and we all know we struggle against lefties. <laughs> um, 
But, you know, Morton, we saw Morton in the 2017 World Series. He was, he was phenomenal. He's been, he was great in game seven for the Rays. Uh, but this bullpen of, you know, Diego Castillo is nasty. Pete Fairbanks is nasty. Nick Anderson is nasty. All three of those guys would be closers on pretty much every team. And then you got John Curtis, Loop, uh, Alvarado is another guy who can throw 101. Uh, it's not going to be an easy task. It's, it's really not. Uh, and the one thing I do want to point out is Mookie Betts has seen quite a bit of this Rays team. Uh, he has had success against every starter. Yes. Uh, I'm going to list some stats right here for you. Against Tyler Glasnow, he's three for nine with a double. Uh, against Charlie Morton, he's six for 20. Blake Snell, seven for 23 with a home run, six RBIs. And even against Diego Castillo, he's two for seven with two home runs. Uh, so this series is big for Mookie Betts. He's seen the most of this Rays pitching staff. He's going to have to set the tone at the top of the lineup. Uh, and he's, he's going to have to perform better uh, offensively than he did in the uh, NLCS. Yeah, that sets up the question perfectly from at Midwest Dodger underscore. How much of an impact does Mookie playing 97 career games versus Tampa have on the series as far as scouting? Well, you listed Huge. off how he does against some pitchers. Lifetime over those 97 games, Betts is hitting 310 with 16 home runs and 28 doubles. So I'm going to give the advantage to the Dodgers on that one. Yeah, and um, I will say something about Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts, which is great, is that he is is really good at sharing information that he knows. One thing that I found frustrating while covering the Rams uh, one time was that uh, we interviewed Eric Weddle, and he had also played for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. He was on the Rams, and he didn't tell anybody really any secrets about the Baltimore defense or anything like that. He kind of kept it in house, which was sort of head scratching to me. So when you've got a guy that has a wealth of knowledge against a team that the Dodgers have never faced before and guys that the Dodgers, you know, never seen before and can only watch tape of, it is really crucial for not only Mookie Betts, but maybe Andrew Friedman to kind of, um, you know, open up, open up their their knowledge on on these guys and get and get us ready for them mookie the anti subway diet tyler white who didn't share with the team last season when they probably could have used that info oh, that would have been the, the oh, that would have been the only useful thing tyler white could have done <laughs> oh by the way um just to fire you guys up the astros have been cheating and they're still cheating but no tyler white didn't want to share that thanks a lot loser <laughs> <laughs> but okay back to back on subject uh glass now this guy throws hard the 97 plus whatever great pickup in that pirates trade i saw him as a pirate he kind of got lit up he's definitely turned the corner his curveball does not move very well it's he's actually given up a 333 batting average against and the dodgers typically do well against hanging curveballs but his changeup, that's his best pitch, 120 average against. And we know the Dodgers kind of struggle against changeups overall. So this guy has the potential to be the Strasburg-like of last season. But I think the Dodgers can get to him just because, I mean, frankly, Glassnell doesn't have the experience like we do, nor like Strasburg last year. And I'm actually less concerned about Blake Snell than you guys might be. Even though he won the Cy Young, not too long ago. He just hasn't been right all season. He doesn't pitch as deep into games anymore. 
I don't, whether it's his elbow or whatever has just seems to have been bothering him. His fastball is actually getting hit very well. Opposition's hitting 326 with eight home runs, and he throws that over 50% of the time. So that's great if you're a Dodgers fan. The bad news is that his slider, which he throws 15% of the time, he's only given up one hit during the regular season. I'm not sure about the postseason. But teams are barreling up on him very well. I see a 17 out of 100 percentile, and his curve isn't moving very well. Isn't moving well as well. It's at 41 out of 100. So bring it on. Also, just quickly about Glasnow, he's already he's already given up six home runs in this postseason. So wow. yeah, I didn't know that, that. That's something to to keep in mind. That the Dodgers have figured out how to hit home runs in this park, and they're and we're still playing in this park. And I think yes. that that is a huge advantage uh, for us because I don't believe that the yeah the Rays did not play the Rangers this year, so they've never been to this park either. Yeah, they're gonna have a rude awakening. Uh, you know, I I watched that series uh, in, at Petco, the ALCS. A lot of their home runs, you know, some of them were bombs. Mike Zunino somehow is hitting bombs. Uh, Rosarena's hit a couple bombs, but some of them, you know, barely got out. So they're gonna have a rude awakening. Plus, I. At this rate, Mookie Betts will rob another two home runs. Uh, so, you know, it's it's going to come down to if we can hit their pitching. That's what it's going to come down to. And then another I, thing. I, another I thing believe on... that um, the experience in, in these NLCS that May and Gonsolin got, especially in Game 7, uh, is going to help them with their nerves in the World Series a lot. Uh, because these guys are so talented. Both of them are extremely talented pitchers. Uh, and clearly, you know, the nerves had an effect. And I think that that is out of the way. Game seven, NLCS, trips at World Series on the line. I think once they're in it now, I think they'll be, you know, more effective. Yeah, and another thing on Azarena. Azarena. Rosarena. I'm not, not going to be able to say it right. Randy. <laughs> the Astros <laughs> pitching staff is nowhere even close to how good the Dodgers pitching staff is. He's getting these hits off. McCullers overrated, in my opinion. I don't care. A lot of inexperience out of their pen. I mean, Valdez looks Valdez like a is great, a stud. He looks like a great pitcher, but still. Yeah. Framber. Framber alert. Now he's going against game one starter Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Dustin May, Julio Arias, Tony Gonsolin, and then, of course, our bullpen. We're going to throw him the daggers, those breaking balls that are just going to crush your soul. If Clayton Kershaw's slider is on point to where we, we've seen it, like top-notch stuff in the regular season, just it's going to be a different story for him. Yeah, I, I think the way they're going to do it is, obviously they've said Kershaw's starting game one. There's not really – I don't think they're going to pitch Bueller game two because that's not full rest for him. I think they're going to go with either Tony Gonsolin or Dustin May in game two. Uh, and I think they'll go Bueller in game three, which basically sets him up for a possible game seven. Uh, and a possible game six on short rest. I'd actually um, like to see a, a full start from May. I know I that they've been, I know that they've been using him like you know as an opener, but like I don't know. I, I he's he's so dominant, and we know that he can go at least six or seven innings. I you know in in a series like this where you know we are actually going to get some days off in this in this yes. world. Series, yeah, that's huge. And which thank is God, huge. thank God, there's a day off today, man. Blake, Blake Tryon's arm was about one more game from falling off. <laughs> I know. But for me, it's like poor guy. 
I don't really see the the true advantage to having May as an opener. I want to I want to see more innings out of him. I do. Yeah, I I'm guess right the, with the, I, I'm a, I'm with you. Uh, but when you have him for you know one or two innings, that means he pitches in three games in the series. So you know those 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 three games and those three innings could determine the whole series. Uh, that's just the contrarian view. But I, I, I'm with you. I think they got a playlist to try to just win it as fast as possible. And I think this is a series where if Dustin May gets his full rest, we are going to see the beast. And I think five or six innings in one outing is more effective than one or two over three outings. Cause I don't want to play to win this in seven. I want to play to win this in hopefully like five and, you know, game two, since Bueller wouldn't be on rest, full rest then I think maybe you start with someone like Victor Gonzalez and hope that he gets two to three innings and then turn it over to Gonsolin and just ride your bullpen and then set up for Bueller in game three. And, you know, Bueller, if he's on, he's going to give you six or seven innings. Yeah, if you pitch, if you, to... sorry, I was just going to say, if you pitch Bueller in game three, then if it actually does go seven, you could bring him back. Oh, they would. For seven. So. Yes. I would give him as much rest as, as humanly possible. Yeah, especially with the blister. Uh, game three basically sets him up for a game seven start if it's there. Uh, and I believe with the, with the games off, if it was necessary, I think he could throw a couple in game six as well. Um, what, what the real question mark is, is what they're going to do in game two. Because uh, I'd imagine we'll see Julio Arias in game four. Uh, and then, but who knows? Maybe that pitch him game two. Uh, you know, for a shorter start, like a three-inning start or, a, you know, bullpen game, then go to Arias for three. So it, it's, you know, they have some, some work to do with only one day off in between the NLCS and the World Series. It's kind of unfair uh, from MLB's point of view. You know, the Rays got two days off and, and the Dodgers only get one. Uh, but, you know, what do you expect from, from Rob? Charlie Morton, I hope, is someone that they're actually going to pumble hard. I... Rays fans have been talking him up. I talked to a few of them saying he had a great postseason, and he, we all know he has. We well, all know and he, 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 he killed us in game seven of 2017. He didn't allow a run in, in the, in the uh, ALCS. 10.2 innings, no runs. Yeah, so anyways, as Jake said, in 2017, his two outings or whatever against us, he did re- really well in those. So I'm hoping the Dodgers are coming out for some blood. He was not that great during the regular season. And I don't want to say the whole he's due thing again, but regression should be coming for Charlie Morton, who's also up there in age. He's 37 or so, so he's not a young guy. Um, this now- Tampa Bay team has also rolled out an all-lefty lineup. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, you know, you, you can't be surprised at anything that Kevin Cash and the Rays do this series. They're going to pull out all the stops – they're going to use everybody on their roster, especially in the bullpen, uh, and there's not going to be any conventional baseball from them on this, on, in this series. So despite how good he was during the regular season, I actually heard that Nick Anderson has been struggling all postseason. I haven't watched much of it, but apparently his ERA is up in the eight range. He gave that's- up four, four runs and four innings in the uh, ALCS. So that's great to see. And then they have Fairbanks, Thompson, Loop, Castillo. I they're all good arms, but I don't know them too well, to be honest. I noticed say, with Castillo, he has no spin on his fastball, so I like to see that. Castillo's probably their, you know, Castillo and Fairbanks are probably their, their two primary closers, if they, if they even have that. Uh, and they're, they're both definitely, you know, concerns. 
Jose Alvarado is another guy. He, he was hurt. Uh, they just brought him back for the uh, ALCS. This guy is nasty. He's maybe their their most nasty pitcher. Uh, lefty throws a hundred. So he's this team's full of 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 tough pitchers. It's it's going to be an uphill battle on the offensive front. Uh, but like we've seen, you can't count this team out. So perfect comment from Varsity Nunez. The Rays have arguably the best pitching staff we faced this season. We have to have better situational hitting like Smith in. We need to be better with running runners in scoring position against a top pitching staff where we won't have as many chances as the Braves and they won't make as many mistakes too. I agree with what he has to say. You know, we have to capitalize and score early because the Rays bullpen is going to be tough. They're going to really shut us down in one or two games, I'm sure, because they just have that many weapons. You know, the Dodgers didn't hit that bad so far in the postseason with running runners in scoring position. They're up around, I want to say it's like 274 or so, slightly below their season average, but they're getting the job done. We just had a lot of opportunities. That's actually, that's actually better than I thought it was yeah. going to be. But we do uh, leave a lot of runners on base. And like last night, we were one for 10 with runners in scoring position. We left 10 runners on base. And yeah, I mean, it's easier said than done. I would like to see a little more um, uh, more rallies with less than two outs. It's a lot more difficult, obviously, to score with two outs, but a lot of our rallies started from basically the bottom up with two outs. So if we can get some runners aboard early with less than two outs. Also, um, I know, Mike, you touched on Mike Zanino being a good catcher, but I, I would like to see us run a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive on the bases. We have good base dealers in Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger. Chris Taylor's got some speed. I, I, I just want to force the issue. I think we, we, we got to create some havoc. The Braves were running all over us. And, you know, unfortunately, um, they, they, they couldn't get big hits when it mattered, but they were putting a lot of pressure on us and a lot of pressure on our catchers and a lot of pressure on our pitchers. And that stuff matters. So I, I would love to see a lot more of that in this series. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, it's, you know, a, a, you just don't see him do it during the regular season. I, I just don't know if they're going to, you know, bust it out in the World Series. Well, uh, they, ha- they haven't needed to do it in, in the regular season. I mean, you know, they're not facing, you know, this type of competition in the regular season, especially this year. And when you, when, even if you have a 60 game season or 162 game season, you, you can afford to wait on the three run homer or the late inning home run. But in these games, when, when all of that, you know, there, there are less games to be played against better talent, you got to take what you can get. And if you're not hitting that late inning home run, then you got to find other ways to score. Yeah. All right. Let's head out to the final stretch now. Close out in a minute. At Catch the Blues on Twitter, worthy of discussion, the LCS seemed to be big for our young pitchers at time, such as May and Gonsolin. I still think May can be dominant in certain situations. He's saying clean innings, but not sure he should open. And, yeah, I think we kind of touched on that earlier. I think this is a big series for May. I would like to see him be more treated as a starter. And so we'll see what happens. Um, he also followed up worthy of discussion about he doesn't know if the Rays are a good fastball hitting team, but he's thinking this is a big advantage for a Dodgers bullpen. 
So I'm going to pose the question, which Dodgers reliever do you think will have the biggest impact in this series? This is a tough one because the Rays have, you know, some very good fastball hitters. Rosa Reina and Choi hit the fastball very well. Uh, we've seen Renfro burn us in the past. We've seen, you know, up and down the lineup. Zunino, they all can hit the fastball. Um, you know, I'm, I'm biased here because Blake Trinan's my guy. Uh, but I'm going to go out of the box here and say Pedro Baez. Uh, we saw him perform. Damn it! Very I was going to well. go with Pedro Baez. We saw him perform very well in the last couple games he appeared in, and his best pitch is his changeup. So if we're gonna, I, I, I could see I could see them using him uh, as an Arozarena stopper, uh, or you know, basically a choice stopper too. He, you know, Pedro's not really a, a splits guy. It's going to be tough. They're going to need contributions from everyone. Uh, but I, I agree. I like May as a starter, but there's there's value in use in getting three appearances from him too. So it's it's a tough call. I I was gonna go with Baez, but uh, since since you did, I, I I do like Baez in this series. But even though he struggled in this um, postseason, I think that Adam Kalerik is going to be a really uh, interesting piece in this series because of all the left-handed hitters. He knows Ray, well too that the Rays former, have exactly. And, and he's, and he's sort of a soft tosser. So it's, it, it's actually, you know, nice uh, to, to be able to change it up where you got guys throwing 98 to hundred, you bring in this soft tossing lefty and it changes, it changes everything up. I'm kind of feeling Victor Gonzalez and Trinan, but I'm going to go with Joe Kelly. Oh. Really, really. Wow. We talk about the fastballs and all that. Well, Joe Kelly throws one of the better curveballs for this team. And if you he know, can he locate did, it, <laughs> he did it against the Dodgers in 2018. I think we might see a resurgence. It might be in a random inning, like the fourth or the fifth, but I think Joe Kelly is going to come through in some random big situation and we'll see how, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And he also has experience against the Rays. So it, yep, that, he does. That's, a good, that's a good point too. Yes. All right. Final question from, Ray Cayazo, nineteen eighty-two. How many games do you think it'll take? Ugh. I don't like answering that one. I don't. I don't like it either. I mean, I appreciate the question, but <laughs> after I chose Dodgers in five in the NLCS, <laughs> I honestly don't want to even make a prediction. It's so hard to tell, and I, and I also hate the stats of like you know only you know this percentage of teams have come back from a three-one deficit. None of that matters because th- this team's never been down. This exact team has never been down three one in this scenario. So you, you, whatever happened in the past has nothing to do with what's going on now. So it's really hard to make a prediction. Um, but I will say that I think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. I'm not going to say who wins the World Series because I don't want to jinx anything. But I think whoever does win the series, it'll be a six game series. And I think through four games, it's going to be tied 2-2. I'm going to say exactly what Kevin said. Six <laughs> games, deferring to pick a winner. All right. So, so who I guess it's you... all on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So then who do you think is going to have the biggest series overall for the Dodgers? And then we got to end this one. Mookie Betts. Okay. They paid him. He struggled a bit offensively in the uh, NLCS. 
made it up, made up for it with his defense. He knows this team well. He's hit these pitchers well. I think Mookie Betts, if they win, is the World Series MVP. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to stick with my guy, Cody Bellinger. I said he was going to be the uh, NLCS MVP, um, and he had some he had some pretty good moments in this series. And if his shoulder is okay after it getting popped out of its socket or whatever on the home run celebration, I, I'm thinking Cody's going to have a big series. I'm just going to do something that I thought I'd never say. I'm going to go with Will Smith. Whoa. Oh, my word. The biggest Austin Barnes fan of all time is picking Will Smith. Even though Austin Barnes will catch game one, Smith is obviously going to DH. And, you know, I think he might hit a grand slam. I really have a feeling he might hit one grand slam. He's kind of due for it. He's had a lot of opportunities with men on base, so we'll see. He's also the king of the almost home run. No (laughs) one hits more foul ball home runs or warning track home runs, almost home runs than Will Smith. It's, it's, It's insane. All right, everyone. It's time to close this out. Final thoughts. Maybe we'll bring you a midway series episode. Otherwise, it'll be the post World Series reaction. So, Jake, why don't you go first? <sighs> you know, I, I honestly felt so good after last night, just being able to breathe a sigh of relief. I love this day off in between so we can really like just, you know, revel in the, in the victory and the uh, improbability of us coming back down 3-1. I've never really seen a team this resilient before. And it was really great to see because it, at one point I thought we were dead in the water. They were, you know, talking about how complacent they all got being in the postseason every year. And I was like, oh my God, if that's the attitude of this team, we're screwed. But they found something within themselves. They rallied together. They never gave up. And, and they won and, and, and beat the Braves and, and honestly had the most important three-game sweep of this entire season. And it was just awesome to watch. Um, I almost died but we're here, we're ready for the World Series, and let's bring it home. Look, this team is capable of winning the World Series. We said it on the pregame show of the season, the preseason show. We said it during the regular season shows. We said it before the NLDS, NLCS previews, and that's still the case. We have never seen a more talented Dodgers team. All they have to do is win four games. They win four games, and Clayton Kershaw is finally a World Series champion. Uh, it's, I think they can do it. I know they can do it. It's just a matter of if they will do it. Uh, no matter what, we were down 3-1. to one. It's time to enjoy the ride. Uh, the Rays team is a very, very good team, and it needs to be respected. Uh, if our Dodgers offense shows up, we win the series. This is how it is. In 2017 and 2018, the Dodgers kind of got hosed a little bit with some really tough World Series matchups. And on top of that, those two teams were cheating. But needless to say, entering those series, we knew we were facing some really tough competition. These, both those teams were loaded with superstars, perennial Hall of Famers. I mean, they had the Verlanders, the Mookie Betts, etc. This season, it's a little different. You couldn't ask, honestly, for a more favorable matchup. I mean, the Rays are good. I'm not going to sell them short or anything. But they just don't have the same star power like the Dodgers do. And they also don't really have the postseason experience. So this is, this is honestly the series the Dodgers have to win because I don't think they're going to get a better matchup in the World Series moving forward. And the playoffs as well. The teams are only going to get better. The Padres are going to get closer to us. 
who knows where the Braves will be. And then you have more up and coming teams. So the Dodgers really have to win the series, not trying to put too much pressure on them, but yeah, let's go Dodgers. Let's get that world series. I'm a huge believer in momentum coming back from a three, one deficit has to play in your favor. They were on the brink life support. They saw what elimination looked like. They don't want to do that again. They want the title and you can see it in all their faces. So, you know, this Dodger team is motivated. All right. We got the nods of approval. Thank you all for listening to the incline. It's been a great season. We had some great guests and we're out. We'll see you next time next week, hopefully. And congrats to the Lakers again for winning the NBA championship. Go Dodgers. Astros suck. (laughs) Every time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.